Thanks, Warren. Morning, everyone. My name's Danny. Those who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. We're in week three of our, our Kingdom series, Parables from the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're in Matthew chapter 21. So if you've got Bibles, uh, open them up to Matthew 21. Um, we're talking about the Kingdom of God, the Kingdom of Heaven, that is where God's rule and reign actually is. And I mean, God is the ruler and the reigner. God is in absolute authority over everything, but where, where what God wants to happen, happens. That's the kingdom of God. And we are in the kingdom of God in as much as we surrender our will to God's will, in as much as uh, the, the uh, motivation in our hearts and the actions of our lives are aligned with what God wants to happen, um, that's when we experience the kingdom in reality in our lives. Uh, now, it's so, uh, we've heard this too, the kingdom of heaven is so different. What, what Jesus wants, what God wants for life is so different and so kind of at odds with our secular or human or natural understanding um, that, uh, that God has to draw us into it. He, he's, he, uh, this is why we, use, we see parables. Jesus is, if he just confronted people with the reality of the kingdom, um, then it would be, it'd be too hard for us to grasp. So this, the, this, these parables that Jesus uses are acts of love. They are communication from a heart of love. Jesus wants people to be drawn to the kingdom. He wants soft hearts. He wants open eyes um, that way. And so he's inviting, always inviting people to come to the kingdom. But we can't hear it and we can't see it if our eyes are closed, if we've closed our eyes and if our hearts are hard. Why parables? Also, questions. Why questions? Jesus uses lots of questions. And this parable we're looking at today um, in Matthew 21, he finishes the parable with a question. So I wanted to just spend a little bit of time talking about why God bothers to ask questions. Like, God doesn't need the answer from you. If God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. So what is the point of the question? So think about questions that God asks people. What's the first question God asks anyone in the Bible? Where are you? Who do you ask that of? Adam. Adam sinned. He's, he's in the garden. And God goes, where are you? Did he not know where Adam was? Why is he asking that question? He also asks Cain. You know, Cain, he gets jealous of his brother. Um, he kills him, buries him. And, um, and God comes to Cain. Where's your brother? Like, does God not know? Of course he knows. Why is he asking that um, question? When Hagar flees, you know, because Sarah uh, Starts making her life really hard. Hagar's the, the mistress to Abram and she's had his child and now the wife's got all jealous about that because she's had a baby. And so she persecutes this maidservant and she flees and she's off on her own, destitute, with a kid, just um, kind of freaking out about what's going to happen in life. And God comes to her and says, where have you come from and where are you going? It's not because he doesn't know. Or when Elijah flees and hides in a cave and he's kind of... After he's had that like, big, amazing uh, event with God who showed up and then uh, Jezebel's wanting to kill him so he's, he's run and he's cowering in this cave and God comes to him and he says, what? What are you doing hiding in this cave? These are questions um, from God everywhere. Or Job, uh, you know, when Job finally hears from God, he don't demand an answer that way and what's God's answer? Just a whole series of questions like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? (laughs) 
So why? Why does God ask questions? Because he wants us to ponder. It's another invitation for us to consider. It's a way to draw us in and get us inside the problem so that we can be part of the solution so that we can understand if we've got soft hearts uh, and open eyes. When when one of the uh, religious leaders asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Remember that? And Jesus responds really with a story and then a question. Um, Who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Then he says, uh, really he's saying to that Pharisee, that's the wrong question. Uh, Who was the neighbor to the man who had fallen in with thieves another question so there's a question here so here's my point when God asks you a question it's not comprehension it's not just so you can go oh I know the answer to that it's so you will deeply deeply consider what he's asking because when God asks us a question it's because he wants to cut through our normal responses and understand something of him of the kingdom So this question that we're here today is profound for us. It's important for us to deeply, deeply consider. Now, we're in Matthew 21. um, In verse, uh, earlier in the chapter, the the, uh, elders and the leading priests and that, they've come to Jesus and they've said, by what authority do you do these things? Um, Jesus' response right through this chapter, he starts out by saying, I'm not going to answer that question. I said, by what authority? He doesn't give him a straight answer. He says, I won't, I'll tell you that if you answer this question, which is John the Baptist, uh, did he come from God or not? And they were, um, they were like, oh, we can't say that because we can't say that. So they just said, oh, we don't know. And he says, well, no, I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. That was, that's all kinds of um, smart by Jesus that way, just not to directly answer that question. Then he goes into a couple of stories. So he's just come out of that. So I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. But, verse 28, but what do you think about this? So he's kind of dealing with this issue of by what authority I do these things. He concludes that with your life group notes from last week. So if you did your life group notes from last week, you'd know how Jesus answers that question. By what authority do I do these things? That's in the parable of the evil farmers. If you want to have a look at that, look at the life group notes from last week. It's all in there. But in the middle, before he gets to the final conclusion that way, he tells this story with a question, which is what we're looking at today. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. There's the parable. Now, here's the question. Which of the two obeyed his father? They respond instinctively. Just, well, the first. Was they're unaware that they're being kind of, oh, can you, can you feel the weight of this kingdom question here then there's this bombshell from jesus then jesus explained his meaning i tell you the truth corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of god before you do i 
Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the elders and the leading priests. They were religious people. They were, they were like God people. They were people who weren't just like, they weren't just, they didn't just go to church. They were like the, they were like the, the main guys um, in the church. They'd made an identity around who they were as God's people. They wake up thinking, I'm God's person, as opposed to those people who are not God's person. Like, you think, who is not a Christian in Australia? Just the, the most not Christian sort of person you can think of. Just whoever that is, so just put, put that person in your mind. That's the tax collector and the prostitute in, in that Jewish culture. They're the not God's people. people. So these, these guys, like us, are religious people. They are, they are naming God as their thing. This is, this is not just what we do every now and again. This is our identity. This is what I'm basing my life on. I am a God person. That's who I am. This is who Jesus is talking to. This is why this question is so powerful for us, because that's us too, isn't it? That's our identity. That's what we say we, we believe. That's who we say we are. And he says... Tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Why? Why? And what's that got to do with the parable he just told? He explains it, verse 32. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So, belief, so they didn't believe and they didn't repent. Now, how does that, how does that explain the parable of the two sons? that they didn't believe and they didn't repent. Because in our understanding of belief and repentance, we've talked about this uh, before here, well, I grew up anyway in a, in, a, in a church culture, I think, that didn't, not deliberately, but just by implication in the way things were spoken, thought that repentance was when I was sorry and I said, God, I'm sorry. And I confessed my sin and I received forgiveness and I said those words and I named Jesus and I repented. Because, I, because in my heart I felt that kind of stir and yes, I want to follow Jesus. And I, and I also grew up thinking that belief was when I said, yes, I, I give intellectual assent. I didn't use those words. But, I, but I, go, I agree with that. Belief was like agreeing. I agree that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I actually, I think that's probably true. In fact, I'm quite sure it's true and that, um, you know, that was, that was belief. But Biblically, belief, and in the Hebrew actually, the word, they didn't have any place to put what I agree to but don't do. They didn't have any room for that. The word belief, it means that which I stake my life on. So when do you believe in a chair? When do you actually believe that a chair can support your weight? When you, when you sit on it. In fact, when you really kind of thump down into it, like if it's not... That's belief. When it, when, it, when it informs your action, when you base your actual action on it. And, and what's repentance? Repentance is 
I was going this way, and now I'm going that way. So you say to your son, can you do the dishes for me? Um, he says, no, I'm not going to do the dishes. Or how much are you going to pay me? Or he just says, no. He says, no, I'm not going to do the dishes. And, and you go, you better do the dishes. Now, when does he repent? When he comes out and says, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry I didn't do the dishes. I should have done the dishes. I feel like a bad son. I wish that I had done the dishes. I would really like to have done the dishes. I'm going to go play Xbox now. <laughs> like, we laugh and we do it all the time. I do it all the time. Which one of the two obeyed his father? And there's another story that Jesus tells in Luke 15 about two sons. We know this story. It's the story of the prodigal son where one of the sons goes and squanders all the wealth and then ends up crawling back to dad in that culture of just, that was so shameful, so shameful. And it should have been disowned, even for the sake of the family and the family's relationship with the community around that way. But the father is waiting for his son to return and he runs to him and he embraces him and just welcomes him home. So we know the heart of the father. And we know that this story about tax collectors and prostitutes getting him before you, we know that this comes from the heart of the Father who wants people to come home. We know the reason that Jesus told stories and used parables was it so people could be healed. We learned that in Matthew 13. You know, just this is why I use parables. But these people have got hard hearts and they've got blind eyes and they, and they won't hear and they won't see and they won't turn like... And I, I just wish that they could turn so I could heal them. This is the heart of God. We know this, this parable we're reading today comes from a God who wants to restore and he wants to forgive. And he wants to bring people home to him. His mercies are new every morning. Warren put that in his prayer today. It's beautiful. Romans 8, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And grace is beautiful and real. And any time we, we repent, any time, then we are restored to God. Every time. And he will hold us, he will hold his children all the way. But let's not kid ourselves that there's any room in the kingdom at all for that which I agree to and don't do. We are, we are broken people. We are, we are incomplete. We are, not, we are not yet who we should be in Christ. We're on that journey. And the gap between who we actually are and, and who we should be in the kingdom is very real. And this temptation to fill the gap with that which I agree with but don't do has got to go. There's no place in the kingdom for that which we agree with but don't do. That's the point of this story. 
And it's okay to say, I'm not yet there, you know, in this journey with God. There's stuff that's got to get fixed in me, and I know that in my own heart too. I'm not there yet, and that's okay, but I'm not going to pretend. I don't want to pretend. I want to actually, I want to actually be in the kingdom. I want to actually, you know, follow Jesus. I want to repent, actually, and I want to believe. Um, and I want that for you too. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to yell at you or judge you for the gaps in your life. I just want to help you know Jesus better, so that we can all actually follow Jesus. And I don't want you to judge me and yell at me for the gaps in my life. I just want you to help me to love Jesus and follow Jesus. So let's just be real. Um, I think the Bible, for example, I think the Bible says, well, I'm confident the Bible says, if you're you're keeping more than 90% of the income that comes into your house for you, for just the stuff that you want, then you should repent and, and, and lose at least 10% for things that are going to help the kingdom, that are going to advance the kingdom. Now, if you're not there yet, that's okay. Like, I'm not stressed about that. I don't want to kind of hammer you for that. I want to point you towards that. But I don't, I don't want... You know, we don't want, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea for Christians to do. I don't want any kind of assuage that I'm, I'm okay in that space because I've agreed to something, but I haven't done it yet. If, you, if you've got a habit that, that is sinful and wrong, and you know it, and I'm not saying you've got to stop it because if you could have, you, you would have by now, but there are ways that you can get through that that involve repentance. You can find some help. You can... Get someone alongside you, you confess that to someone you can trust, you know. Like if, if, you're not, if you're not willing to, you know, Jesus will forgive you every single time you come back and say, I'm sorry. And, but, it, but if you, like, let's be honest about our gaps and repent. And, and really chase God in the kingdom. Let's be real. Because the kingdom is the rule and reign of God and we want it. We want your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your way, God, and not ours. The kingdom of God is beautiful. Pete Moody is going to talk to us about that next week uh, in terms of how precious the kingdom is for Father's Day, which will be uh, looking forward to that. The kingdom is beautiful and it's real and it's here and it's now, but we need to repent and we need to believe. Because what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. The father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love to us, your offer to us, your invitation to us perpetually to just come to the kingdom, to, to follow you, to know you. Thank you that you gently, lovingly, beautifully, patiently and persistently draw us to you. 
Thank you that this invitation to us this morning to repent and believe is real. And it's right here and now. And you want to bring life to our lives, God. And I pray that you help us to have soft hearts and open eyes to trust you, God, in this space. In Jesus' name, amen.